All right, good morning, Chapel Hill. Welcome on this Sunday morning. Um, Before we get into the Word this morning, it is a great, great privilege for me to introduce you to Jamie Buchanan. Um, This is a huge answer to prayer. You've heard me talk about this several times about how we were looking for a specific kind of youth pastor. We had made a very, very small box, and Jamie fits into that box. And we are excited about how God has provided for us. And I thank you very much for your prayers throughout this journey. And so I want you to meet Jamie and his family. I want you to hear a little bit more about who he is and where he's coming from. And so, Jamie, why don't you go ahead and introduce us to your family, and we'll go from there. I'd love to. This is my wife, Pam. You probably already met her or seen her before. She actually served in the church before I did. Um, She was on worship team last week while I was doing my last um, retreat at my other church. This is my son, Wyatt, and my daughter, Paisley. Good. Thank you very much. Why don't you tell us, Jamie, a little bit about your history with youth ministry, with ministry in the church. Just give us a little picture of where you're coming from. Well, I've um, had the privilege in my over my 20 dinosaur years um, <laughs> to be able to serve in youth ministry in both uh, rural, suburban, and urban churches. And I found that my niche really is suburban. And being here um, is just exciting. Uh, also with the, the desire and the mission that you guys have of making the family part of youth ministry um, has also been important to me. And Deuteronomy chapter 6 is uh, kind of shows that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm very, very pleased that we align on that and that this is something that drew you to this position in this church. Um, okay, talk to us a little bit about what it is that compels you to do this. You've been doing youth ministry for a long time. You are a dinosaur. You've raised your own teenagers. Um, after all of that, after all that you've been through, why keep doing this? I didn't know you were going to call me a dinosaur. but Well, Elise did. I'm just affirming Elise, Elise did. Yes. in her discernment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, ever since I started... Um, Youth ministry has never been a stepping stone. Um, I've really never thought, well, go through youth ministry and then become a senior pastor. I'm wired for youth ministry. I'm wired for, um, for what I'm doing. And even at my age, you know, I have a, a very relational spirit, very down to earth, love to have fun. Um, and so, and love to build up um, youth and older adults around me in a team. Um, highly believe in that. So uh, it's really exciting to be here and to be, you know, part of the church and, and looking forward to meeting as many of you as possible. Cool. And that just lines up with where we were going and what we were looking for. And, and I just am so pleased that, um, that you're, you're hanging on to something that I'm hanging on to as well. And you know I love to be with the youth, and it's hard for me to, to pull away in any way, shape, or form. So here we are, and um, if, if you're a dinosaur, me being three years older than you makes me something before dinosaurs. So we'll just go with that. And You didn't have to tell. You know. I know. They know. They know. I keep bringing it up because I don't look 51. Yeah. Yeah. You might, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> I know. I know who you're looking at. As long as we don't act mature, my wife says, let's just add that to the mix. All right. Um, so first things first. Um, I want to welcome all of you, this whole family, to Chapel Hill Church. Um, I want to welcome you here. 
then my charge to you, Chapel Hill, is we have a new family in our church. So make them feel welcome like you do. Um, continue with that. Make them feel at home here and part of this family. And our prayers are, are certainly behind you, and we want to support you guys in whatever way we can. Um, I am eternally grateful for how God has designed this whole transition and for how things have gone. You guys would be amazed at how many youth and parents Jamie has already met. Um, and I was looking back um, to the week before last on Monday when you met with the, the volunteer leaders um, in the youth ministry and, and how few of them, even though it was your first day on the job, how few of them you hadn't met at that point, and I was really, really pleased with that. That relational heart is there, and so we just want to get behind this. I want to thank uh, God for this transition. I want to thank you, Chapel Hill, again, for making this transition happen through prayer, through support, through creating a search team and all that. Um, just very, very grateful for how God has put us together and for what lies ahead. So, Chapel Hill, will you stand with me right now? Can we just pray for the Buchanans and for their uh, transition into life here at Chapel Hill? Let's pray together. Father, you are good. Your, your ways are perfect. Your plan is perfect. And through all that we've seen happen over the last several years, um, we see you having brought us to this point, and we praise you for that. We praise you for the care and concern that you have for this church, that you have for the youth in this church, that you have for the families of youth in this church. We praise you for how you are putting together this family ministry team that Jamie's a part of. We praise you for what you're going to do here in this church in the days ahead. We praise you for the Buchanan family. And I ask, Father, that you would um, just put your hand on them, that you would continue to guide them. I pray, Lord, that this transition for them um, would continue to go well, that they would very quickly feel that this is their home, that they are a part of this family, that they belong here and are welcomed here and are affirmed and supported here. I pray for this church, Lord, that we would be the church family, the community that they need in order to flourish in their lives right now. Um, Father, I ask that you would just surround them with your love as they have said goodbye to, to some and hello to new, new people. And um, God, just let them know that, um, that this has all been a part of your plan. Thank you for what you've done in Jamie's life. Thank you for the hard times that he's gone through, for the, the wilderness time that he experienced, and for all that you did to bring him here to this place. And I ask that you would bless him as our youth pastor, that you would minister <clears throat> through him to our youth and their families, and that we would just see you do great things. God, we do just acknowledge that you've been in this from the start and that you will continue to walk with us through this. Bless the days ahead. Bless the Buchanan family. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. All right, if you do not have a Bible with you this morning, you are going to need one once again to dig into the book of 1 Peter. So if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, just go ahead and put your hand up, and our ushers will give you a Bible that you can use during the service to follow along with me. And if you do not have a Bible of your own and you're receiving one to use right now, go ahead and keep the Bible that you receive. Um, that is our gift to you and, our gi and your gift um, from God to you so that you can know him more and you can understand him better. You can come closer to him. Turn right away in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Yes, I said chapter 5. We are starting the last chapter in our study of the book of 1 Peter. 
And there's a lot here for us to dig into. I'm excited that we're into the final chapter and um, we're, we're starting to see Peter now look back at the things that he has taught the church, the things that he's opened up to the church about. He's written many things to the church in general, to everybody in the churches that were there spread about in Turkey and um, to the churches after that, to us. And now here he's going to write to a specific group of people in the church. Not as specific as you might think on the surface, but specific nonetheless. Um, listen to what he writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. <clears throat> this is what Peter writes. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is a full passage, again, in these four verses. And we need to keep in mind the fact that Peter wrote this letter straight through. He did not think to himself, okay, now how should I start chapter 5? It's not how this letter happened. He just kept going. And the church added the chapters and verses later on to make it easier for us to follow. Peter carries on here from his previous statement. His previous statement, which was this. This is in chapter 4, verse 19. He wrote, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And Peter's talked a lot about the suffering that they were facing and that they were going to face as followers of Jesus Christ. He's been very honest about their reality. He has not sugarcoated the gospel and told them that everything's going to be great and easy when they become followers of Jesus Christ. None of that from Peter. He knew exactly what they were going through. No promises of prosperity for those who follow Jesus. Just raw, honest guidance. For this scattered, harassed, suffering collection of churches. He was real with them. Peter told them in various ways who they were earlier in the book. How much value they had in God's eyes. And we've been through that. We've looked at what what Peter said to them about who they were. He talked to them about how blessed they were. Even or especially in the midst of the persecution that they were facing. He reminded them of God's grace and power and love. And aside from all that he said about their suffering, he also gave them practical guidance for things like their marriages. He talked to husbands and wives earlier in this letter. And in light of all that now, Peter shows them one particular way that the members of those churches could support each other. And this guidance is directly relevant for us in this day and age. So please follow this because once again, he's not just speaking to those churches back then who had those issues. God's using this to speak to us today, right now. And if the words of chapter 4 verse 19 were going to be a vision for God's family to live by, the church was going to need something from those Peter refers to here as elders. Elders. To help those who suffer according to God's will and trust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good, Peter is enlisting the services and gifts 
of the elders. So he begins 1 Peter 5, 1 with the word, so, so I exhort the elders among you. Based on all the things that we've been talking about, I now exhort the elders among you. And we need to understand a couple of words here. First is exhort. This is a Christianese word from what I can see growing up. This is one of those things, exhortation and those sort of things. I hear them in church. I don't hear a lot of people outside the church talking about exhorting one another. So what does exhort mean? What does that word mean? How is it used? How is it defined? Exhort means this, to call to one's side. To call to one's side. To someone, summon someone. To, excuse me, to call them alongside you. Peter's calling someone to join him in his calling, in his mission. He's calling the elders of the churches to join him to come alongside what he's doing himself. All right, so here's the big one. What are elders? What does that term mean? Elders means those who preside over the church. Those who preside over the church. And I want you to listen because I'm going to dig a little bit further because this is not, this doesn't just fit into our current definition of what elders are in the church. It's not just that. It is that, but it's not just that. It is not just the older people, the elders, but also not just what we refer to as elders or the office of elder in the church. Is Peter writing to the men who the church is assigned to be elders? Yes, he is. Is Peter writing to those who are older and those who are more mature in their faith? Yes, he is. He's writing to both here. This is not a statement limited to such a small audience that all but seven of us in this room can just tune it out. It's not what this is about. To those who preside over the church, the older ones and the elected ones, Come alongside me in the calling that God has given all of us. This is the message I'm hearing from Peter right here. Come alongside me. I want to break these verses down into four categories this morning. This passage has a lot to say to me personally. Um, Peter is speaking to me, and I want to hear him well. He's speaking to many of us, and if you can't put yourself in the category of elder right now, thinking that you may be more of a younger, just hang on. We're going to get to you next week. Peter speaks to you as well. I want to look at these four categories. First of all, the company of an elder. Secondly, the work of an elder. Thirdly, the heart of an elder. And fourthly, the focus of an elder. And you'll see those as we go. First of all, let's look at the company of an elder. In verse 1, Peter says, So I exhort the elders among you, As a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. As a fellow elder. This is one statement within this passage that really stood out to me in my study. Um, I can't shake this. As an elder in this church, both as an elected one and as a 51-year-old who's been walking with God for a long time, I am incredibly affirmed and significantly humbled To be a man considered to be in the company of Peter. That thrills me. Absolutely thrills me. Peter writes that he was a witness of the suffering of Jesus. He was there to see Jesus mocked and ridiculed and harassed and beaten and crucified and ultimately 
murdered. He was there to see Jesus abandoned and betrayed. He was there to dish out some of that abandonment himself. He knew what Jesus had been through. He had seen it firsthand. Peter points out that he will also partake in the incomparable beauty of seeing Jesus in all his glory. We talked about that recently, about what it's going to be like to see Jesus glorified, to see, them in his, to see him in his fullness, about how amazing that's going to be. That day's coming, and what a privilege it'll be to share it with people like Peter and the followers of Jesus who lived and died during this time of intense persecution And together we'll get to see Jesus in all his glory. So this is who we're listening to. Peter. He's our fellow elder. He walked with Jesus. And he's encouraging us along that same path. And we have to go back this morning to an encounter that Peter had with Jesus. Where he was called into this role by Jesus himself. This is John 21 verses 15 through 17. This is after Jesus rose from the dead following his crucifixion. This is when Jesus visited his disciples after his resurrection. And Peter had denied knowing him right before he was crucified. So you can imagine the tension between Jesus and Peter. The weight that was, excuse me, on Peter's heart as he realized what was going on. As he looked back at what he had done. This is their conversation. This is Jesus and Peter. When they, when Jesus and the disciples had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And here's Jesus calling Peter to the work of an elder. To the work of an elder. And that work was summed up by Jesus in three words. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Take care of my followers. Tend to the needs of my church. Peter, you are an elder. If you love me, embrace this role. Live it. Fulfill it. And fulfill it he did. Peter is the example that God gave us of what the role of an elder should look like. And we would do well to follow that example closely. Here in our study of 1 Peter, we're seeing the example that God has given us in the person of Peter. Second category that I want to look at together this morning is the work of an elder. So let's talk about Chapel Hill Church for a minute. Um, This church, Chapel Hill Church, is an elder-led church. The highest level of authority in this church is the elder team. That's where the decisions are made. Overall spiritual direction of the church, major decisions, business affairs, staffing issues and and opportunities, church policy, cultural issues and the impact that they have on the church, and much, much more. We have a team that's in place to handle those things on behalf of this church, and they are elected by this church, by the members of this church. And first and foremost, this team is responsible for carrying out the calling that Jesus gave Peter and Peter gave the elders of the churches that he was writing to. 
And so for those of you who are new here, who don't know who these strange people are, I'm going to ask the elders if they'll stand now. So elders, will you just stand where you are right now? Let me just introduce you to the church if you do not know who these gentlemen are. Okay. Back here, we'll start back here with Dale. Dale, just put your hand up. That's Dale Kirsten. He's our chairman elder. Right behind him is Peter Herzog. You know who he is. Back there in the booth standing up, that's Randy Thiel. Down here closer to the front is Len Hanish. And this over here is Ryan Beach. These are the elders of Chapel Hill Church. This is the team here that makes up the Shepherd Elder team. You guys can go ahead and sit down now. Thank you. This is a group of men that I refer to as our Shepherd Elders. Our Shepherd Elders. Why Shepherd Elders? 1 Peter 5, verses 2 to 3. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. This is the charge that God has put on this group of men who leads this church. What is the work of an elder? Peter says it. Shepherd the flock. Provide for and protect this flock, just like a shepherd would his sheep. Secondly, exercise oversight. And thirdly, be examples. Um, I've been reading a lot about what Peter's saying in these verses. I, I need to. It's very easy to replace a biblical description of eldership with a modern definition of leadership. We can easily get hung up on developing the exercising oversight aspect of Peter's description and ignore the shepherding and being examples aspect. And we don't want to do that. In one of the resources that I was looking at, um, a Bible commentary by a guy named N.T. Wright, um, I came across this. It was very affirming and very encouraging as I read it. He's writing about leadership and our obsession with it as a culture. Not that it's bad in any way, shape, or form, but he's bringing it back to the center. He's bringing it back to a biblical definition of it. And here's what he said. He says, what I find is that anything worth calling leadership happens often without people thinking about it as such. When someone is so energetically and productively involved in whatever it is, whether making music or running a business, whether organizing a market stall or heading up a government department, that they communicate that energy and productivity, that enthusiasm and effectiveness to those around them. Leadership, in other words, is a bit like friendship. It's something that happens best when you're not thinking about leadership or friendship as it may be, but about whatever it is that you're actually doing together. He goes on to write this. The point about shepherds is that the best of them aren't thinking, how can I be a shepherd But how can I best look after these sheep? The focus of the shepherd is not only on his or her own qualities, but the needs of and potential dangers for those they are looking after. This is a picture of shepherding, of what a shepherd elder looks like. This is something that I really appreciate about Jamie. Um, When we first connected and and started to discover who each other is, um, we are very different. We're very different people. He's a lot more energetic than I am. We have things in common. We have things that are not in common that complement each other in terms of our gifts. 
One of the things that I deeply appreciate about Jamie is the initial connection that we had was our shepherd hearts. Both of us desire to meet the needs of our flock. And it was very obvious in him. And I'm deeply appreciative of that. As elders, we are shepherd elders because God has called us to care for his sheep, for the flock that he's placed in our care. The love and the concern that we have for the people of this church is the standard by which we should be measured. That's what we're measured by. We will continue to grow in our ability to shepherd well. We will continue to grow in our ability to exercise oversight. All the while, we will take very seriously the call to be examples to the rest of the church. And we'll carry out this calling as imperfect human beings, desperately in need of the grace of God to carry us through this whole thing and create some sort of impact through us. If you want to boil the call of an elder down to one thing, let it be this. Be examples to the church. Be examples to the church. And I am not just talking about the seven men that make up the formal elder team of this church. And if you were counting, we're missing one. He couldn't be here this morning. It's David Steinmeier. He was up here doing the finance update recently, so you've seen him. All of us elders in the broad sense, all of us elders, church, are called to be good examples to the younger generation that we share this church with. All of us. All of us are called to do this, elders. Third category that I want us to look at is this, the heart of an elder, the heart of an elder. In verse 2 and 3, Peter adds some heart-level characteristics of an elder. I want you to look at what's there. Not under compulsion. Not under compulsion, but willingly. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering, but being an example. This is the heart of an elder. No matter how old you are or how long you've been a part of a church or how much leadership training you have or how much status you have outside the church or how much biblical knowledge you may have in your head, there is no room for serving under compulsion, for serving for shameful gain or for domineering leadership within the church. There is no room for any of that. A willing heart, an eager heart, and the courage to be an example are the things that make up the heart of an elder. All of these qualities demand complete dependence on God's spirit to create these qualities in our hearts and to grow them daily. The final category that we'll look at is the focus of an elder, the focus of an elder. The focus that Peter is calling us to as elders is found in verse 4 in our passage. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. It's not fame. It's not recognition. It's not accolades. It's not status. It's not power. It's not self-importance. It's not an addition to your resume. It's not for the sake of creating a good image for yourself. It's not a way to compensate for the mess you've made in the rest of your life. The focus that an elder maintains is that of the glory that is going to be revealed at the return of Jesus Christ. 
And part of that revealed glory is the glory that we will wear on our heads in the form of the unfading crown of glory. And behind this statement is the reminder from Peter that our goal for all of us is to be an eternal reward, not a temporal one. As elders in God's family, we are to be examples to the younger members of this family with our eternal reward in mind. That has to be the thing that we're going after. And some would argue that as followers of Jesus, we are not to be concerned with any reward at all. That's not why we do what we do. But honestly, if Peter was looking ahead to what he would one day receive for his walk here on earth, then so will I, and so should you. We can look forward to the reward that lies ahead. We are to lead to serve as elders of the church with our eyes on the prize. Shepherd, exercise oversight, serve willingly, serve eagerly, be an example for the sake of receiving an eternal reward from our great shepherd, Jesus Christ. That reward ought to be very motivating for all of us prevent us from getting distracted by the shininess of earthly rewards that we could experience as leaders among God's people. I want to leave you with this thought. Whether you're an elder by age, maturity, or the place you're at in your walk with the Lord, or an elder by election within the leadership of the institution of a church, be an example. Be an example. Elders, the generation that's coming behind us that I'll address next week is looking for someone to show them the way. To show them what Jesus' road looks like. And it's going to take more than seven men on a shepherd elder team to carry out the calling on elders in the church. Elder is not a title that we strive to attain so that we can be recognized or have our sense of importance fulfilled. Elder is a place that we all come to when we start to turn our attention from what is being poured into us to what we can pour into others. And there are ways that every one of us can carry out that calling. The church needs a recognized shepherd elder team. There are things that can only be accomplished effectively through having a team like that. But the church also needs a force within that recognizes the potential that they have as elders to have an impact on the generation that's following them. Elders, be examples. Be worthy of imitation. Be worthy of imitation. So what's your one step today? What do you do with this? Specifically, for those of you that fit into the category of elder, what do we do with this? For many of us who do fall into that category of elder, are we seeing it this way? Or have we limited the role of elder to someone who's been elected to sit on a small team and carry out the leadership of the church? Do we just sit back and look at them and go, well, they're the elders? Or do we recognize that we are the elders in the church we have reached a point in our lives where God is saying, I need you. I want to use you in the church, in my family, to make a difference here.
I need you to watch out for this church. I need you to lead by example. I need you to protect this church. I need you to provide for this church. I need you to pray for this church. I need you to support this church in every way that you can. I need you to have your eyes on the younger generation. Eyes open, eyes to see what it is they're facing in this world. And to respond to that. Not just to sit back and go, the church will take care of that. The elders will decide what needs to happen. And maybe even go to the elders and say, what are you doing about this? Elders, God's called us to lead this church as shepherds of this church. And you don't have to be elected to a position to do that. There's a role for that. But there's a role for all of us who are elders. And maybe your one step today is to acknowledge that maybe for the first time. And say, yes, God, I am an elder in this church. There are those that I can watch out for, those that I can protect, those that I can provide for, those that I can come alongside and help see what it is to walk the road. There are those who are looking to me to be an example for them. So they can look and say, oh, that's what it is. I have not... Previous to the role that I'm in now, I don't think I've ever sat down and intentionally gone, whoa, I am an elder here. So join me in that. We cannot leave this, the younger generation behind us to fend for themselves and hope that seven men pick it up and get it right. This is on all of us, elders, to lead this church On the road that Jesus walked. To show them what it's like. To show them what to watch out for. To help equip them and resource them and encourage them and affirm them along the way. Is that your one step today to say, okay, I'll do that. I want you to consider what that is to you today. I'm going to invite the ushers to come now. Let's go to God in prayer with this. I'm going to give you a minute, elders, to lift this up to your father. Be willing to step into that place. Be willing to say yes to God's calling on your life as an elder. To be a shepherd. To be an overseer. To be an example. Tell him you're willing to do that. Say yes to him this morning. Father, we come before you again this morning um, thanking you for your word. Thanking you for the things that you continue to reveal to us about 
who you are and who we are, who your family is and this tremendous history that we're studying together. God, I want to thank you for Peter and for the words that he wrote. Thank you for giving him wisdom and insight. Thank you for giving him words to speak to a church that was in need of leadership, of shepherding. Father, we just come before you as a church this morning asking that you would drive that word home for us. That we would see that in this church, like in any other, there is a desperate need for shepherds, overseers, examples. There is a desperate need for us as elders to carry out the calling that you've given us. To watch out for this church. To watch out for the younger generation. To watch out for our children and our youth and our young adults. To watch out for our young families. God, you've reminded us again this morning that that's not the job of the hired or elected church officials. It is the ministry of the elders of the church. So, Father, open our eyes this morning to this thing that you've called us to as elders. Equip us for this. Give us the wisdom and discernment and courage and perseverance that we need. And Father, I do want to lift up our shepherd elder team. As we keep our eyes open for the needs of this church. Help us to see every opportunity to provide for and protect this flock. Help us to shepherd willingly, to oversee diligently, and to be an example humbly of what it means to walk Jesus' road. Father, continue to grow us here as a church in how we care for each other, in how we live out the calling that you've given your church. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for being so generous to us. And thank you, Lord, for that beautiful, beautiful promise that one day we will see Jesus in all his glory. And we ourselves will receive the unfading crown of glory. Lord, haste that day. In the meantime, we are elders at your service. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen.